Welcome to the Alpha Dude Podcast with Michael Pulser. What would it be like if you knew that you were unstoppable and you could live life on your terms? Better yet, how good would it feel knowing that on your deathbed, you had fulfilled all your potential and more? Life on Earth has a beginning and an end. It's what you do in the middle that counts. Let's look at how to make that part even better. This show is dedicated to my friend, Big Al, who unfortunately died while being so young. We have all lost people, and it is so sad whenever we lose someone who is so young. And for me, Al, as one of my best friends, was so sincere, kind, funny. He inspired me to do so much. And one of the things was he actually got me into the martial arts because he got his black belt when he was still in school, and that was massively impressive for me. I went on to follow his footsteps, and one of the proudest moments I can remember is just before he died, I performed a martial arts demonstration, and he was blown away from it. And in a sense, I think in many ways, I was looking for his approval because he just meant so much to me and and inspired me so much. Interestingly, the martial art that he trained in, um, in jiu-jitsu, I'm also training in, and it's kind of interesting because beyond the grave, I know that he's done these techniques and these moves and positions and he's done all of that. And I can relate to his journey on each step that I take as, as he went through it as well. So he is the guiding force behind this episode where we're going to look at meaning. And Basically, his situation was he was just walking along the street one day and the next moment he fell flat, right on his face, dead, leaving his fiance, his puppy and all this massive potential behind of so many things that they were planning, probably a family and so much else. And anyone in a similar situation to me that has lost someone knows that There are many regrets and frustration about not being able to communicate further to the ones that they've lost. And for myself, I actually, I sometimes have dreams that I meet up with him and actually have very lucid conversations about everything I wanted to talk to him about. And I've even got an email account that we used to use and it was pretty much between just me and my friends and his was the last email sent on there and so whenever I click on that email folder I've I've got his message and he was asking if we should go on a, a shooting trip together and um, we actually talked back and forth and said yeah we've got to get this done before before too long because you never know how long we've got and um, uh, just as fate would have it we didn't know how long life would have for him. So the takeaway is just that life is so valuable and that we all should live every day to its fullest. And there's an obvious visceral reaction to death and the saying that tomorrow is never promised is never truer when it comes to this. Now, right here is is where you can sort of stop the podcast and say, okay, I'll just forward on to the the guest interview, but otherwise I've got some things to say that I normally don't talk about and uh, if you don't judge.
So what, what is life? What is life all about? Well, this I think is so important because if we look at death, we kind of have to look at life and see what it means to us. And as you can imagine, it, it obviously distinguishes animals and plants from inorganic objects. It, it allows the capacity for growth, the possibility of reproduction and functional activity. It has continual change and preceding death. And that last comment, preceding death, is it just means that life has an end. It's going to cease. And this sad fact is often hard to come to terms with. So we know the what is life. So we've just discussed it. The other questions, whenever we look at anything, let's approach it from all angles. Where is life? Well, there could be stuff in space, but we're talking about Earth at the moment. When is life? We're talking about now, although we're aware of the past and the future. Whose life? Well, we're focusing on human life, particularly ours and our loved ones during this episode. And how to live life? Well, this is super interesting because a lot of this podcast is aimed at the way that you should live your life and how to live it more effectively. But answering the next question is the part that gives clarity to how to live your life. And that is why. The big why are we here? And essentially, there are only two options. And there is option number one, that we are here just randomly uh, created just by accident and bang, we find ourselves here. No one asked us to be here, but yet we're here. And if we have evolved out of nothing and over many years of random accidental changes, then that means that there is absolutely no inherent meaning to life and that there is no absolute meaning. Now, this is not all bad because the upside of that is that you can have absolute subjective value and you can choose what you want your life to be all about. But we have to remember that subjective is subjective. So, for example, I might like chocolate, you might like strawberry. Someone might want to spend their life hurting people. Another person wants to spend their life helping people. Under this category, either one is equally valid because we're talking about subjective matters. The other option is that we're designed and designed with a purpose. And being designed means that there must be a designer. And of course, this leads us to the the other option of the fact that there is a creator and that would be God by definition. And because someone created something, therefore they have the ability to mark out what it's used for, what it's all about, the teleology. And this is where we get the objective rules from. So if life has an objective real meaning to it, then we should follow it and we must follow it. And to do it fulfills our potential. And in doing so, just takes that meaning from some made-up subjective place to an objective place. You can break down this further and and look at the Euthyphro dilemma about whether our purpose, whether God uh, creates something and says that it's right because he says it or he says it's good 
because it's good and he's following the order. Of course, everyone forgets option number three where it's in God's nature. But leaving that aside, I just want to put out there that I am a Christian and I arrived here both on faith and on reason. And this is not a proselytizing podcast, but I felt moved to share this as part of the podcast today because my biggest regret with one of my best friends is that I just didn't share any of my faith with Big Al. So today I thought I'd share both his story and my regret today, hoping that it may reach out, touch you, influence you in whatever way it should. But I want to let you know that wherever you end up on the faith spectrum, um, again, I'm not here to proselytize, but I felt compelled just to let you know about where I'm coming from and that there are two places to come from. And that is either the belief in God, that we have the object of meaning, the real meaning, and this can be found using reason and logic and faith. Or you can have the other option where you deny God. And in doing so, you have a subject of meaning. And in this subject of meaning, you create something for yourself. And as I said before, it can be amazing. You can decide to have the most awesome life, the most happy life, whatever you choose. But you've got to be real. It's subjective. So whatever you're choosing, whether it's good or bad as far as society or or what your friends think is cool or pleasurable or whatever, in a subjective experience, it's neither absolutely good or bad. It's all subjective. So my final message is just this. Please value your life and the life of others. Remembering the loss of others and thoughts of loss of our own life seems to remind us how precious life is. The true representation of Robert Cialdini's principle of scarcity is never truer than here, where life is absolutely short. And in honor of Big Al, make the most of the time that you have left here on this earth. Thank you. As a follow-on from such a personal topic, I would like to introduce my next guest, Dr. Sean McDowell, to talk about deeper meaning and purpose. I've had a range of guests on my show who have showcased such diverse range of beliefs, from Buddhism principles to secular psychology, a shaman who guides people spiritually using ayahuasca, and now we have a theologian to give his take. I brought him on primarily to compare two basic worldviews and the freedoms and truth entailed within each one. Sean is quite well versed in this field of expertise with a PhD, is an associate professor, he has a former chair and an author of over 30 books. I hope you enjoy his take on worldviews. This message I wanted to convey to my late great friend Big Al, so I'm sharing it all with you now. And regular programming will start again next week. Thank you. Hi, Michael and the rest of the listeners. This is Sean McDowell here. I want to thank you for allowing me to speak into the issues and questions that you're discussing today, especially kind of comparing and contrasting atheism and Christianity when it comes to questions like freedom and meaning. 
Now, I got to be honest with you up front. I am not this neutral, unbiased perspective that can tell you how both sides completely view these issues. I'm a Christian, and there's reasons for that that I will get into. But let me address some of the issues that Michael asked me to talk about here. One is to talk about what are, say, the strengths or weaknesses in terms of freedom from a Christian perspective and an atheist perspective. And I think a good place to start is to just ask, what would freedom look like on atheism? And what would freedom itself look like from a Christian worldview? And we use the same word, and sometimes there's overlapping commonality we have, but as a whole, to be a free person looks different on atheism than it does on Christianity. So how would atheism say to find freedom? Now, of course, if you're talking about Marxism, that's going to look very different than, say, secular humanism. So Marxism freedom is going to probably be an equal distribution of goods in a society when capitalism uh, no longer reigns in a society. Secular humanism, probably free when you're not confined or controlled by religion or religious dogma. But I think a lot of atheists will understand freedom more in an existentialist kind of approach, meaning that we find ourselves thrust into this universe. There's no God. There's no life after death. And freedom is being able to live your life authentically according to your desires, according to your beliefs, according to your wants, to not really let anybody else how tell you how to use your time and your body and your life. You get to choose. That's how many of my atheist friends tell me that they would define and understand freedom, broadly speaking. Now, a Christian, of course, is going to understand freedom a little bit differently because Christianity says there is a God who exists, who's eternally good, all-knowing, and he made us in his image and fastened the world in a certain fashion. Thus, freedom is not doing whatever I want to do. I'm not ultimately the author of my own reality and life. Freedom is more when I align my life with God's truth. So freedom is really having the capacity to orient my life around the way God has designed me and the universe to be. So you might think about like a smartphone to use somewhat of a silly example since it's sitting in front of me right now. A smartphone was made by somebody very intelligent to function a certain way. I can't make waffles on it. I can't snowboard on it, although there's a ton of things I can do. I only really am free to use a smartphone when I understand why the designer made it a certain way and I use it according to its purpose. That's how a Christian somewhat would look at freedom and say God has given us a certain nature He's given us language and culture and the world for a particular truth. And we're only free when we know that truth and we begin to follow it within our life. So really, if you ask me, there's just a difference in how we tend to approach freedom. Now, I don't look at these two views of freedom and say, which one do I prefer? Which one do I like? Which one gives me the most benefits? I actually have a very simple question. I want to know which one is true. If there is no God, then you're wasting your life and wasting your time and you have a mistaken notion of freedom if you believe in God. On the flip side, if God does exist and you think you're the author of your own life, you might think you're living a life of freedom, but you're in deception 
And of course, there's consequences for that. There's consequences on both sides. So the ultimate question is, which worldview is actually true? Now, I do think as we talk about freedom, there is a difficulty to even get the question off the ground if you are an atheist. Let me tell you what I mean. There was a former Cornell University professor by the name of Will Provine. He died some time ago, but a brilliant scientist. And he was asked, if Darwinism were true, what would follow from it? Now, by Darwinism, he doesn't just mean some kind of evolution. He meant this purely naturalistic explanation for the origin of life and the species and all the complexity and diversity of life that we're talking about. So it's not a question like, did God somehow guide or use evolution? That's a separate question. What he meant by Darwinism is this purely naturalistic explanation for all the complexity and diversity of life. And what Provine said is he said, if that's true, then there's no God. At least there's no reason to appeal to God to explain reality. There's no life after death. This world is all there is. When we die, life is done. Third, there really is no objective purpose. Now, we can invent purposes, relationships, sports, pleasure, knowledge, but those aren't objective features of the universe. These are things that we just invent for our own purpose. He said there's no objective morality. There's no right and wrong. And the last one he said that I find really interesting is he said there's no free will. Now, this is an atheist saying this, and many atheists have said the same thing, and I agree with them. If there's no God, and all that exists is matter, and we have evolved through this purely purposeless, blind process, then I'm not sure how we even come up with the idea that humans can make free choices that are up to them. Rather, we might have the illusion of free will, as many scientists have said, but free will is not a genuine feature of the universe. So we can compare and contrast atheism and Christianity on how we approach freedom. But I'm not sure how within the atheist worldview, one would actually come up with a coherent explanation for free will. Now, it's not a problem within the Christian worldview in principle. And I'm not talking about whether God uh, chose us or we choose God. That's a theological question. Because Christians would say we are body and soul in a unity So there is a thinking immaterial aspect to being human, which can make choices. Now, ultimately, uh, the reason I embrace the Christian worldview of freedom is because I think Christianity is true, as I said earlier. So why do I think it's true? Well, I think Christianity answers the biggest questions of life uh, in the best manner, at least compared to atheism. So for example... Why is there something rather than nothing? The atheist response has to be either the universe has been here eternally, which strongly goes against what the science seems to consistently point to, or you have to believe that something comes from nothing, which is metaphysically absurd. But on the other hand, if the universe began to exist, that points towards a cause outside of the universe to bring it into existence. So the beginning of the universe, as Genesis 1-1 says, seems to best point towards a beginner. The second is, why do we live in a universe where the laws and constants of physics and cosmology are so exquisitely fine-tuned within a narrow range for the emergence and sustenance of life? Well, chance can't explain it. There's no law that can explain it, which is the options that atheists typically point to. 
Rather, if the universe is fine-tuned, it seems to best point towards a mind, a fine-tuner, who arranged it that way. Third, the origin of life. We find vast amounts of information, even in DNA in the tiniest cell. Now, any biologist will admit they don't have a clue how life came from non-life, naturalistically speaking. But any other time we find information, such as in a book or a newspaper or a blog, we can trace this to its source we find in mind. So the origin of life, there's no natural explanation, but it seems to point towards a mind in every other case we have information and can trace it to its source. I would also say morality. I would think everybody listening to this really believes in some fashion, at least their, at least their life would seem to be believe, that we believe there's a right and a wrong, that there really is a moral law. Well, if there is a right and a wrong, the best explanation is that there's a moral law giver. And finally, the reason I'm a Christian is because I think the evidence for the historical Jesus is actually really compelling. I think there's good reason to believe he lived and he died, that he was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, that the tomb was empty, and that Jesus appeared to individuals and to groups, and there was a radical transformation in their lives, so much so that many of them were willing to suffer and die for their belief that Jesus had appeared to them. So ultimately, I'm a Christian. I think the beginning of the universe points towards the beginner. Fine-tuning the universe points towards a fine-tuner. The information in the cell points towards an author of life. The moral law points towards a moral law giver. And the evidence for Jesus tells us uniquely that the Christian story is true. Now, I suspect if some of you are listening to this and you're atheists, you have probably a ton of questions going through your mind, objections, and I totally get that. I would also just say on freedom that there's certain power in the person of Jesus. I would invite you. You can look at the evidence. I've written books for it. You can read other people. But I invite you, if you're a genuine seeker, to just read the Gospel of John and ask yourself, who was this person, Jesus? What did he teach about human nature? Would I be more free or would I be less free if I actually followed what he taught? And many people, when they actually take the time to read through the Gospel of John, or really any of the other Gospels, but John happens to be my favorite, begin to realize that there's something different and unique about this person of Jesus. And it's important that we come to an honest conclusion about who we think he is. Thanks for letting me speak and weigh in here. Obviously, I'm biased. That came through clearly. But I hope that gives you a sense of the different ways that maybe Christians and atheists think about freedom. And ultimately, the reason, at least from my perspective, that I'm a Christian, not because I think it gives me a better sense of freedom, but ultimately because I think it's true. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If so, rate it from the place you downloaded it. For any questions, send an email to michaelpulser at gmail.com.